0: Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash Unseminary. Well, hey, everybody.
1: Welcome to the Unseminary podcast. Super excited that you're tuned in. Really looking forward to today's conversation. I've been looking forward to it for a while. John Delger with us. Delger is with us today uh, from Peace Church. He's executive pastor. You know, we love executive pastors here at Unseminary. Peace Church is a get this, gospel-centered, family-focused, kingdom-minded church. Love that. Uh, It's also one of the fastest-growing churches in the country. They have more than doubled in recent years. They have two locations in Michigan. I know I'm going to love this because Michigan is not the kind of place that you say, you know what, there's a place where churches grow fast. So super excited to have John on the, the call with us today. John, welcome to the show. So glad you're here.
2: Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. My honor to be here.
1: Yeah. Sorry for flubbing your name there too, you know, right off the top. Oh, hey, it's all
2: good. It's all good.
1: John, fill in the picture. If people were to arrive at Peace Church this weekend, what would they experience? Kind of give us a sense of the church, kind of fill in the the painting there a little bit for us.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, The main thing that experience is a church that loves Jesus, that loves the Bible, uh, that preaches it loud and clear. That's the main thing that we talk about at Peace and that we would attribute our growth to. Um, God has just been doing an amazing work, especially the last three years. We've been 30% growth year over year, um, for three years straight now, just the grace of God. Um, that's amazing. It's not, it's not me. It's not our, our other leaders. It's just the Lord is doing something amazing and we're humbled to be part of it each week. So. Yeah, we, uh, we've, we're hovering around 2,000 people or so on Sunday mornings at our mm-hmm. main campus. And then we just launched this uh, fall our first secondary campus. And actually, our vision is to plant uh, campuses that become churches, independent churches, over the course of three to five years. So and so cool. we've actually launched out a guy who preaches live every Sunday there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do full live uh, worship and preaching and all of that at the secondary campus. And that's been going great. So. Love it.
1: So good. Well, I know... Um, you know, the fact that you're growing at 30% a year, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing growth rate. That is, you know, puts you in super rare error uh, across the country just to kind of get, you know, calibrate that for folks that are listening in. So um, less than 5% of churches make it over a uh, thousand people, less than half a percent of people make it over 2000 people. And, you know, even rare error are growing at that rate. So super honored that you would take some time to, to talk with us today to help us understand a little bit about what God's using um, and to hear more of the Peace Church story. Pumped for that. But I know it sounds great having worked and, and led in actually multiple churches that have grown like that. It sounds great from the outside, but on the inside, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot to kind of keep all those plates spinning. Uh, and I'd love to talk a little bit about that. You, you know when you when we we think about growing, you think about okay what you know how do, how do we sustain that? how do we keep going? what would be some of the kind of pain points the pressures you're experiencing um, in with that kind of growth what are some of the what's that look like for you particularly from your seat as an executive pastor?
2: Yeah, definitely. So we all, we often say here that we've got lots of problems, but they're good problems. And so we're so thankful to be blessed with the challenges we have, but they are definitely, (laughs) that's right. They are definitely problems, challenges. Uh, there's all kinds of them. I mean, physical space is one that we're facing right now. We just, um, we just wrapped up a capital campaign and are doing a building project here on the main campus. We opened that second campus. We've been doing the video venue thing just to just to create enough space. Right. We actually uh, created some dirt parking up up in our grass field next to the church, just because we're running out of parking every Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. So so the space is one of the issues, but I would say if you had to take all the issues that we face and talk about what's the most important one, what's the heart of it, the center of it, I would say it's protecting our culture as okay. a church, um, yeah. as a whole church, and especially as a staff, okay. you know, even if, you know, whether you're growing a lot or whether you're growing a little bit, any kind of change to the people in your church changes your culture, right? Mm. That's, that's just kind of how that works. You bring in these people who have a different DNA, a different uh, set of expectations, a different, even theology, Mm -hmm. you know, um, at peace, we've just been growing by people from all different tribes. So there's plenty of people coming that are, secular, they don't have a church background or Mm -hmm. actually in West Michigan, one of the most common stories we hear is, yeah, I grew up in church, but I haven't been back in 10, 20, 30 years. And now I'm just coming back to church. Or there's a lot of, I would say our primary demographic at peace is people who, you know, maybe grew up going to church, but haven't been since high school. And now they're in their late twenties, early thirties, they got kids and they're like, that's right. I grew up going to Sunday school and now I want my kids (laughs) to have that experience. So they're coming back But they've got all these different backgrounds there. We've got lots of from Catholic backgrounds or Baptist or Reformed, non-denom, Presbyterian, you know, or no church background. Just Mm -hmm. all these different people with different theology, different expectations, different sense of what does my pastor do? Mm -hmm. All those different kind of expectations and just trying to figure out how do we make sure that we protect who we are Mm -hmm. and actually bring people into a culture not just a church that doesn't have a distinct identity,
1: mm. oh, that's so good, just to underline that for our listeners, uh, you know, you rattled off all kinds of logistical, practical, you know new parking, video venues, you know, keeping up with kids' space, you know raising money, all of that kind of stuff to try to keep on top of it and i I don't want you to miss this listeners you know, what you came back to ultimately was something that could seem really soft, like, oh, we got to protect our culture. Like, um, but Mm. that just is not, you know, we see this time and again with fast growing churches that actually at the end of the day, if we want to continue to sustain our growth, a part of what we've got to do is get really clear on our culture. We've got to be, you know, rabid about it. We've got to clarify it. We've got to keep it in front of our people. We have to keep thinking about it. Sometimes it's like rearticulating it. So let's unpack that a little bit. How, what, when you, when you talk about, you know, protecting your culture, um, what does that look like for you? How have you had to do that as a leadership team?
2: Yeah, definitely. So we try to make it a part of just about everything that we do. Um, We especially look at each step in the assimilation process. So when somebody Mm -hmm. comes into Peace Church, you know, what are the steps that they take and how do we make sure Mm -hmm. each of those steps very clearly communicates our culture? So for Mm us, um, the first step in the assimilation process after you've, you know, come uh, checked in, maybe met somebody, you Mm -hmm. know, done the follow up process via text and that kind of thing. The first event that we push everybody to is we've called it two different things. We've called it sometimes we've called it the newcomer's lunch. Or recently, we're calling it Meet the Pastors. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit more of a down-home mm-hmm. uh, church family kind of feel mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And so at that event, people come, and we usually have three or four of our pastors there, and they have lunch, and uh, you know, we go around as pastors and just sit with people, talk with people. And then about halfway through the event, we get up and sit behind, uh, microphones and we have a moderator. We just do kind of some Q and A, we have some prepared ones and then we let the group ask questions. But what we make sure and do is we make sure as pastors that we just come back to some of the core things Mm -hmm. that make peace church, peace church. We talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, what is our, you know, what is it that makes us unique and distinct? So that's one of the tactics we use. Mm -hmm. Uh, the next step in the assimilation process is the membership class. And for us, that's a huge, that's the point. So I think for I've been a part of churches in the past where the membership class is the place where you try to convince people to stay at your church. Mm. Right. And, <laughs> and I get that. I, I get that mentality. I, I understand, you know, where that comes from. But for us, we actually spend that class trying to talk about maybe why you shouldn't be at Peace right. Church. Yeah. Uh, we, we open by saying, hey, we're just here. We repeat this throughout the class. Hey, we're just here to tell you about who we are and what it's like to be a part of this church family. And if that's not a fit for you, that's totally OK. There's other mm-hmm. great churches around. We're not the only ones who preach the Bible around here. Um, and we actually I actually usually name a couple of other churches that are good Bible preaching churches, mm-hmm. uh, but are different than us in size or in style and things like that. Um You know, but we just try to be really clear. Hey, if you came, you know, and you thought, "Man, I want to be a part of this church," but I really wish this church did nothing but sing hymns. Well, hey, we love you, but we're not changing. We're Mm -hmm. you know, we're committed to Mm -hmm. what we're doing, and Mm -hmm. that's going to stay the way it is. Mm -hmm. And so, if that's not a fit for you, that's okay. Right. So, those are some of the main things that we that we do. We just try to be really clear. This is who we are. It's not changing. We'd love to have you part of this church family if that fits for you, but if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Then hey, there's other places you can go.
1: Yeah, I love that. I, um, f- you know, for years I had a, a friend of mine who, in those contexts, he would say something. He would actually would explicitly say that he would like, hey, so let's say he was a leader at Peace Church. He would say, if you're, if you come to the end of this conversation and you have said, you know, I really love Peace Church, but I wish, and then insert whatever he would say, tell me what you would insert in there. I wish, like you say, you sang more music, you were more charismatic, you were whatever the whatever that thing is, and let me help you find a church that is that. Because what, I, what we're looking for is we need people who are fully engaged on mission with us. Now, when you, when you talk about some of those distinctives, what would be some of those things you come back to that, that are, you would say, got a bit of an edge to it that would say, oh, I'm not sure I'm really, you know, I, people may not stay over this. They, they you know We always think about culture stuff that's like, oh, hey, this is great. But what are the things that might actually encourage someone that maybe they should look somewhere else? What would be some of those things that you yeah. articulate that kind of push people uh, to make that kind yeah. of stuff?
2: Yeah, our progression in our class, we kind of we say that we kind of have three progress three. Key parts of the membership class. We talk about theology, then we talk about our ministry philosophy, mm-hmm. and then we talk about uh, the commitments of being a member. So that's so in each of those, we try to hit a few different things. So in theology, we talk first and foremost about how Peace Church believes in the inerrancy of the Bible. It's true; it doesn't have any errors in it. It's from God, and so mm-hmm. and then we talk about some of the outworks and workings of that. We talk about sexuality. We talk about gender. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about just all kinds of different any, any hot cultural issue, and we just say this is where we're at, loud and clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just try to be super abundantly clear about those things. Uh, we try to draw out these are these are some people that might disagree with us, and this is how mm-hmm. I can get more into some of the theological specifics if you want. But uh, ministry philosophy wise, we we talk mm-hmm. largely about church size because that's new mm-hmm. for us because we've been growing so much. We talk right. about hey, you know, if you came expecting to be able to get your lead pastor on the phone in a in a heartbeat then, Hey, this might not be the place right. for you, or you've right. got to change your expectations. You know, right. we have a, 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 several different pastors. We also have elders that do a great job of caring. Their emails are right on the website. You know, there are people that are there to care for you and love you, but mm-hmm. the lead pastor, you're not going to be able to get them on the phone quickly. Right. Um, so right. I talk about that. I'll talk about just some of the, um, some things that people aren't maybe used to in a larger church is just the how structured and organized we are, you know, Mm. we have to be pretty strict with how we do things. Mm -hmm. Um, which means that, you know, most, most ministries are led by staff rather than volunteers. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I give, I give usually an apologetic and explanation of how actually having staff led ministries leads to more volunteer involvement, not Mm. less. So that's one big thing I talk about in the philosophy part. Mm. When we get to the last part, talking about membership commitments, we've used, um, Tom, Tom Rainer's, uh, membership book before we've Mm -hmm. had people read that, that does a good job. Uh, we talk about giving, we talk about, Hey, we believe that the tithe 10% is what should be going to the local church. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's not a, we don't get legalistic about it. You know, the Bible doesn't say that explicitly, clearly in the new Testament, but we say, Hey, we believe that the tithe is the biblical minimum and that it should go to the local church. And if you want right. to give to other things, that's awesome. But that should be on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk <laughs> about how you must serve. Hey, if you're not here to be involved in serving, then we might not be the right church for you because right. we, you know, we invite members to be involved
1: hmm. Yeah, that's good. I love all that. That's that's so good. I love love. Talk us through kind of even practically. So I understand that kind of meet, meet the pastors that's has a high relational edge. This is one of the things we've seen, again, friends, as churches grow, you actually have to work harder on the relational side of what we do. You have to be way more intentional about that. And so I love that. And then going into membership class, how long is membership class? Is that like multiple weeks? Is it one class, literally one unit? Or is it like, you know, five weeks? Or how does how does all that work?
2: Right. We've played with different, different lengths. Um, two to three weeks has been our, our norm. So right now we're at two weeks and that's mostly because of kind of some practical reasons with the church calendar. Mm -hmm. Uh, three weeks, I think was probably better. That was probably the right place to be in terms of the membership class itself, but you got to balance that across other things going on. Um, so we've done it either as, um, as a three hour thing or a kind of two hour thing and Mm -hmm. we've offered it. Sometimes we've offered it, um, on Sunday morning during one of our three worship services. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we've offered it as a Saturday morning thing. Other Mm -hmm. times we've done it as a couple of evenings. Mm -hmm. So we've done it a few different ways. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. That's cool. Now, are there any other kind of steps in the assimilation process that you, you've, you find that actually continuing to stay focused on the, the DNA or the culture of the church is, you know, is effective or important?
2: Yeah, I would say another key one, and, and normally you wouldn't think of this as a part of the overall church assimilation process, but uh, for me, it's critical, and that is our hiring process for oh, staff. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, with growing in attendance, you've also got to grow your staff, and so yeah, our staff has increased enormously over the last few years. And you know, if we weren't protecting who it is that comes on our staff, then we're gonna, our culture is gonna change rapidly. So our hiring process has been very clear and distinct. Um, you know, we do kind of the t- typical things you'd think of. We do a phone screen and then we do a minimum of two interviews for anybody, even if they've been at the church for 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, minimum of two interviews. The final interview is with, uh, with myself and the lead pastor, lead pastor, executive pastor. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get to that point, we're asking only culture questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we assume that talent and all that kind of stuff has been evaluated by this point, but they're coming and they're sent down. And I usually give them a speech, um, a little speech about a few different distinct aspects of the peace staff culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I usually say, I'll rattle them real quickly. I say, Hey, the, the, you know, the peace staff culture, one, one key point is that we are hopelessly optimistic. Mm -hmm. You may have been a part of other workplaces where people get cynical about initiatives that management bring, but here we say that we are hopelessly optimistic. When, uh, the Mm -hmm. lead pastor, the executive pastor, get up and say, here's where we're going. We're going to take that hill. Nobody rolls their eyes and says, yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that's cute. That's the, the initiative of the week. Everybody says, awesome. We're doing that. Right. Let's Um, go. And it gets done because the whole team believes in it. Right. Um, yeah, one of the things I say is that we are uh, scrappy and stretchy.
0: Mm, oh, so, that's good. Uh,
2: those are kind of, kind of, kind of cheesy words for me, but you know, so in our location, we're outside of the city. We're in a little bit more of a country area, mm-hmm. um, sort of on the the outside of the city. And so, you know, resources, financial resources, are not quite as readily available as they would be in other parts of our area. I mean, I'm not complaining. The Lord's blessed us abundantly, yep. but we're just not one of those churches that has. Lots of money uh, right. sitting around. You know, we are blessed. We have what we need. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I know of other churches that are our size, and they're actually asking the question: How do we spend all this money that God's given us? That's not really the <laughs> question we problem. ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. so I tell our staff, hey guys, we're scrappy, which means right. that we're the underdog in the fight. You know, we have the resources God's given us, and so we're going to use them to the absolute maximum that we possibly right. can. Right. Uh, and then we're stretchy in the sense that things are always changing and adapting, and you got to get used to that. We joke a lot about. Our office space, we make offices out of closets. We've got, we've got 40 people on staff right now. And I think we've got probably what should be about offices for maybe 12. So, I mean, we just start (laughs) packing everybody in whatever space they can go and moving them all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. We went through a, a similar phase where uh our lead pastor would joke, he would say this felt like the election campaign season of officing, like it was like we were <laughs> our offices had that kind of like yeah, everybody's just everywhere, you know, we you know, even the idea of we had an office felt kind of like okay, you're really stretching it. We have rooms where lots of people are packed into, but yeah, I love that. Totally. Um yeah, I think that's great on the hiring piece. The other interesting thing too I wonder is Um, are you seeing the dynamic? There's this weird, interesting dynamic that shifts that as the church grows, there was a time where you were just like amazed that people wanted to work for you. It was like, oh my goodness, people Mm. want to be on our team. That's amazing. But then if you stay there, you'll end up hiring people you shouldn't hire. And what happens is eventually you have to change that polarity. And I found you have to discount their enthusiasm for working for you—you you have to discount that in the conversation. It's like, okay, that's fine. I'm glad you're excited, but we have to get to well, you know, will your, you know, will you actually line up with our team culture, you know, performance, all totally. that. Let's stick with the staff thing for a second. What about on the other side? Someone gets hired. And I'm sure this is purely theoretical, but let's say you have someone who maybe is not aligning with the culture. You're struggling to get them to kind of, um, you know, align with what's happening at the church. What does that process look like? How are you kind of helping people stay connected, stay plugged into the the mission, the vision? What is it God's called Peace Church uh, to look like?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So formally we have, uh, sort of three processes. One is our onboarding process that we put Mm -hmm. people through. Um, another one would be our leader development process. Um, and these second two, not everybody goes through them, but we use them as needed. And then the final one, of course, is the, um, the PIP process performance improvement process, which we hope for people not to land in, but they Mm -hmm. do. Sometimes we try to do that well. Mm -hmm. So onboarding wise, um, we use a few resources. We use, uh, the ideal team player, We use that book. And Mm -hmm. uh, so we walk every new staff member in their first 90 days. They either read that book or read. I wrote a short, like a four page summary of it. So they have the option. They can just read the summary if they want. Mm -hmm. And then they discuss that with their supervisor and what that looks like. And we also do quarterly. We do a presentation on one aspect of ideal team player. So we use that just to kind of try to keep us on track and keep that as normal everyday language. Is that like at your all staff staff meetings? Like it's just, it's inserted in that
1: month's all team kind of thing. Hey, we're talking about this.
2: Yeah, we do, we do what we call staff chapel twice a month. Um, so one of those presentations is Mm -hmm. ideal team player. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah. And then, you know, the, just kind of the normal leader development process, especially Mm -hmm. with our upper level leaders, we try to just always be talking about who we are Mm -hmm. and what it's like to be part of the peace staff and our culture and just try to have, I mean, the way I kind of visualize it is that we try to have a thick enough culture. It's, it's sort of, you could reach out and grab it in the air that it deters people or, or, um, galvanizes people, Mm -hmm. you know, it either, Mm -hmm. it either makes it really clear that they are supposed to be part of this or that they're not supposed to be Mm -hmm.
1: part of this. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I, I would assume, I know that a part of this too, is just even how you engage in kind of one-on-one meetings with your people, you provided a great resource for us here. This is a template to think about how to effectively lead uh, one-on-one conversations. Talk us through what do one-on-ones look like uh, within Peace Church? How, how do what's the normal rhythm? You know, uh, what what, your, what do you what do you tell your team to expect, or what do you tell your managers to? <laughs> they're required to have one-on-ones, yeah. and then let's dive into this this particular resource. It's so helpful for folks. yeah.
2: Yeah, I hope it's helpful to people. Um, it's, it's been helpful for us just to clarify across the board, what does a one-on-one meeting look like? And so mm-hmm. what we say in it is that um, it's the bread and, bread and butter of meetings at Peace Church, that the one-on-one is where the real work kind of happens mm-hmm. between supervisor and staff member. We recommend that they're uh, twice a month, um, not every week. We recommend they're 45 to 60 minutes long. And then I, I've given this as a presentation and it's in the document as well. But we talk about three aspects, care, clear, and coach. So care, you're supposed to spend some time caring for your staff member. And I often say, you know, yeah, we put, we published this document to the whole staff. So on the one hand, you know that your supervisor is required to care for you, but I hope you know that (laughs) that actually also comes from their heart. I say that to my, my direct reports. I do care about you. We put it on paper because we want to make sure it happens and we don't ever forget about it, but I do care about you. I care what's going on in your family and Mm -hmm. your personal life as well as professional. Then clear is kind of the, to me, it's got kind of a dual meaning of on the one hand, you're kind of clearing the table, clearing the things that, Um, that need to be checked off, but Mm -hmm. also you're making sure things are clear, Mm -hmm. uh, understandable clarity. Mm -hmm. And so we use Asana as our project manager management software. And Mm so uh, every meeting uses an Asana project. And Mm -hmm. so we walk right through it. And so we, um, you know, we check off things that we discuss or that we accomplished. Uh, mm-hmm. We make notes in the comment section. We add subtasks. So that's kind of the bulk of the meeting is mm-hmm. you got your laptop out and we're just walking through what are the discussions we need to have and then writing down decisions we've made, which Love is, it. you know, so we don't get to the next one to one meeting and it's like. Hey, last meeting we Mm -hmm. talked about this, but what in the world did we decide to do? Yes. And we try to avoid that by, by making records and setting tasks and knowing who's responsible for what. That's a big part of the one-to-one. And then uh, coach, coach, we say that supervisors, you do have something to offer to your employees. We just gave that, I just gave that, that speech kind of at our last, uh, we call them department leaders, department leaders meeting.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: We talked about how supervisors, you know, I know because You are all so humble, which is awesome. That's why, that's part of why you're a great leader, Mm -hmm. but because of your humility, I know it's sometimes tempting to think, I don't have anything to offer to these people. Mm. You know, I'm just here to kind of direct and Mm. kind of make sure they're doing their thing. Um, But no, you really do. You, you're in your position because you have something to offer. So think about it, write it down, maybe shoot a video or at least, you know, get on YouTube and find a thing that you're thinking about that your staff members should hear. So we encourage that at most one-to-ones, you're providing some kind of resource, a video, an article or just some kind of, you know, thought-provoking thing that you've thought of yourself.
1: Oh, that's good. I love that distinction. I think particularly on that coach part. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone articulate that, that it's like, hey, let's make that a formal part of this. Like, let's actually ensure you're coming to, I love that push of like, hey, you are, uh, you know, you're humble, you may not, but you've got all kinds of stuff going on in your head that has brought you to the place where you are, where you're leading today. Let's just pass that on to other people. I think we often think of that at like a team level or, you know, at a kind of at a whole church level. But I think that's what that's a great, uh, that's a great tool. Love that. Um, and how often are you coaching your managers on -on one-on-ones? What does that rhythm look like? Is that like, it's just a normal part of your, I'm assuming you are obviously modeling this with your people who then are modeling it down, but is there, you know, how often do you actually work through this through three C's with them?
2: Yeah, good question. It's maybe not as consistent as I would love. It's uh like you said, the main thing is trying to model it. And unfortunately, I don't always, you know, I'm just like, Every other manager, uh, I get busy and attempting yes. to let those one to ones become, hey, what do you need from me? Okay, we're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's easy to, to let that happen. But that's part of the reason that we give the guide to all staff so that supervisors and employees know what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way we can kind of hold each other accountable a little bit when we're, you know, if I do that to one of my staff, they can say, hey, you know, last couple of meetings, it hasn't been 45 to 60 minutes and we haven't actually covered the three C's. You know, they right. can say that to me. So that's an important part of it. Um, so modeling it, we try to do, but then, uh, twice a month we have what we call our department leaders meeting. Mm. Um, so that's, uh, that's most managers. It's our, mm-hmm. it's our upper level managers. So there's about, there's about eight of us in the room or mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. And each of those meetings, it's a requirement. We have it on the Asana every time there's a leader, a leader development presentation, Mm -hmm. either by myself or our family pastor, our lead pastor. Um, And so one-to-ones is a regular topic brought up in those uh, referred back to the three C's, um, but we use other topics as well. But that's, that's the main thing where it probably comes through.
1: Love it. So good. Um, Now kind of stepping back in a slightly different direction. So there's been, you know, accelerated growth over these last three years, what happened four years ago? Like what, what was it that kind of preceded <laughs> this, you know, this growth yeah. and you know, what, are, what's your read on that? I know sometimes it's hard it's like the, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar, but what, what is it that has, you know, that shifted or changed, or maybe you do have total clarity on what exactly that was.
2: No, great question. It's, it's actually a little bit of a wild story. It's mm-hmm. uh so, you know, that was 2020 basically mm-hmm. was yeah. the turning point for us. Right. So, um, you know, headed into 2020, we were we were experiencing growth, but it was it was probably you know five to ten percent a year, which is still great, you know, yeah. statistically across yeah, the nation. Uh, we've been at that we were at, we were at that rate probably steadily for the past ten years leading up to COVID. Yep. We we're at steady kind of growth, five to ten percent sometimes a little bit more. Um, but in 2020 COVID came, um, restrictions in Michigan were heavy. So we, we were shut down for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And actually during that period of time, the guy who was our lead pastor and who had been there for 10 years, uh, felt the call to go elsewhere. Okay. So he moved elsewhere and right in the middle of 2020, the guy who was the executive pastor became the lead pastor. And then I was the community pastor and I became the executive pastor.
1: <laughs> okay. So right yeah. in the
2: middle of 2020 was that leadership change. Wow. And then as we launched out of 2020, we, you know, we said a few different things. I think the main thing is just that people were so hungry for truth at that right. point. And right. we happened to be a church that was just really, really clear about what we believed about gender and sexuality and every other topic that the Bible talks mm-hmm. about topic mm-hmm. of life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so, uh, by January of 20, you know, we had relaunched in the middle of 2020 under new leadership. And mm-hmm. we thought, man, after, you know, this, this other pastor had been here for 10 years and we thought, you know, statistically we're going to, Decline, Right. We're going to decline for a few years before we get going again. And a once in a hundred year
1: pandemic, you know, they throw that in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally.
2: So we, yeah, we got going in 2020 and our new kind of leadership roles thinking, all right, we'll, we'll take it easy for a few years. You know, we'll, we'll just kind of rebuild relationships, get the, get the foundation set again. And, and then we'll, you know, kind of pick up and hopefully get growing again. And we, you know, we kind of had a very casual approach to things. And so we relaunched at maybe four or 500 after being at 800. Um, and then by January of 2021, we had already broken a thousand and, uh, we're running out of room. We actually, after only two Sundays of uh, over a thousand, we made the decision to invest like 150 grand in, in reshaping our worship center to seat more people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people were excited about the fact that we were going to respond to growth quickly. And Mm -hmm. so more growth happened, Mm -hmm. um, And it just, things just took off from there. And we just have been holding on for the ride. Yeah, that's amazing. It's
1: cool. What a cool story. Love, uh, love hearing what's happening at Peace Church. So cool to see, uh, you know, fun to hear about, you know, some of those pivots and changes. And that's, you know, hopefully encouraging for folks that are in, who maybe are at the, at that, you know, they've just stepped into a role. They've just kind of reconstituted leadership, I think. So Were both you and the current lead pastor were existing. How long had you been at the church? That's kind of an interesting
2: yeah. He had been puzzle. around for maybe seven years or so before that. And then I've got an interesting background. I had only been on staff for about a year. Um, mm-hmm. but I had, I actually grew up at this church as a kid. And, oh, uh, so I've kind of been here and gone a few times. I went away during college, uh, did youth ministry in another church, uh, but in the area, not too far away. Right. And then I came back during seminary, did a four year internship, uh, as kind of like a pastoral resident kind of thing. Yep. And then went out and was a pastor at two other churches, uh, associate pastor and then lead pastor. And then I, Mm -hmm. and then I got to come back in 2019 Mm -hmm. and then we rolled into this. So both of us had history and background.
1: Well, and then even your, your seat at the table there, there is that kind of, um, I've seen this in other contexts. There's the, I call them the, the outsider insiders. They're like, you were, mm. you had an insider knowledge cause you'd been around, you knew the church, but had been outside for a while. And th- there's, that is a really valuable seat to be in because mm. you p- give you all kinds of trust. You're like, Oh, that guy's been around. He knows us, but you have experience to bring to bear that, that can add a fresh kind of perspective and spin. Um, that's great. That's yeah. cool. That's really cool to hear. Interesting. Well, this has been great. Anything else you'd like to share, John, just as we wrap up today's episode. Man,
2: uh, thanks so much for talking, Rich. Yeah, I I I just hope and pray for everybody listening, God's blessings on your leadership out there. Um, pray that God grows this church not just at peace, but mm, everywhere. Uh so preach good. the gospel and I hope people come to know it and have eternal life.
1: So good. Thanks, John. I really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for being on. If people want to track with you or with the church, where do we want to send them online?
2: Yeah. Peacechurch.cc is our main church website. Actually, in January of 2024, we're launching a platform called Resound, where there's going to be more media coming out from Peace Church. So we're excited about that. But peacechurch.cc is a great place to find us and find uh, resources like this.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for being here today, John.
2: Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it,
0: brother. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.